0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks
1: for joining us. A warning tonight from RCMP about a series of threatening phone calls to women across the Lower Mainland that are believed to be linked. Nadia Stewart joins us with more now on this disturbing story. Nadia.
2: Well, Chris, RCMP say the troubling call started in 2017. Investigators say the male caller accurately identifies the woman by name and address and claims he's been watching her through cameras he allegedly installed inside her home. He then demands the woman engage in sexually explicit conversation with him or else the victim or a family member would be killed.
3: In all incidents where that, that have been reported to police, we have not been able to confirm that anybody has been inside any of these individuals' homes, in, inside of any of these females' homes. It appears to us that he's g- gathering the information through open sources. So he's going on the Internet and using various sources, either social media or um, information that's readily available, on the internet, and then using that information to then call the police or call the people. Excuse call me. Call the people. Yeah. That's right. And in some cases, they have there have been businesses. He's called lingerie and swimwear swimwear stores.
1: Well, so obviously be careful about what you post on social media, but Nadia, what should women do if they do end up getting a call like this?
2: Well, Chris, RCMPs say if you receive such a call, you should write down the caller's telephone number and hang up. Do not engage in conversation. Immediately report the incident to police, then block the number if you can. You should also consider an unlisted name and number. Anyone who's been the recipient of one of these calls and has not already reported it to police is encouraged to do so immediately, Chris. All
1: right, now you do it reporting. Thanks very much. Family of a cyclist struck and killed in Richmond in 2016 wants tougher punishment for the person responsible. The driver in the case is expected to enter a guilty plea. Grace Key explains why the victim's family says, based on the charges, that's not good enough and what they want the attorney general to do.
4: Brad
5: D. never had the chance to meet his little girl. He never even knew his wife was pregnant when he was tragically killed while cycling more than a year ago.
6: You would have been such a wonderful dad. And just, (laughs) I miss him.
5: His family and friends leave a Richmond courthouse disappointed as they continue to seek justice. Driver Michael Fan is expected to enter a guilty plea and be sentenced in May for driving a motor vehicle without due care and attention. Under the Motor Vehicle Act, Dean's parents have written a letter to the Attorney General asking for criminal charges to be considered. When you consider that you were fined $10,000 to cut down a tree Illegally. illegally, two thousand dollars for killing a man it doesn't make sense the ministry responded with deepest sympathies for the family saying charge approval rests with the prosecution adding in this case they made the charging decision after a careful review of all the available evidence the applicable legislation and case law dean was riding with a group of cyclists on river road in richmond in november twenty sixteen when an oncoming car struck them dean was killed Chris Jameson's life has never been the same. He suffered a brain injury, was in a medically induced coma, he's still off work, and he missed the birth of his son.
7: So my wife had to, to look after me, um, and obviously my son as well. So it's been devastating, absolutely devastating.
5: Fan did not appear in court, but is expected to be present for sentencing in May. Grace Key, Global News.
1: The man at the center of a major RCMP investigation in the North Okanagan will remain behind bars after he was denied bail on most of the charges against him. Protesters gathered outside the Vernon courthouse where Curtis Sagmoen was making a bail application. Sagmoen has been in custody since his arrest back in October related to an August incident in which a sex trade worker says she was assaulted at gunpoint. The 37-year-old is facing a number of charges, including discharging a firearm and uttering threats. In the weeks that followed, investigators launched a major search of the farm owned by Sagmoen's family. The remains of a missing woman, 18-year-old Tracy Genero, were found on the property. Sagmoen has not been linked to Genero's death.
4: We know from what the RCMP have released in the past, you know, that they've said, you know, certainly there are other women out there. So, you know, making a plea to those women, come forward, you know, because with with respect to that, you know, further facts are needed, you know, further things are needed. And when, when further things are needed, those cases become stronger.
1: A date for a preliminary hearing will be set on March 8th. Meantime, there will not be a second trial for a man who was convicted of first-degree murder in the slaying of an Okanagan teenager. Matthew Forrester was found guilty three years ago of killing Taylor Van Deest. But on appeal, Forrester was granted a new trial, which was to start in May. But now we've learned Van Deest's mother tells Global News a plea deal has been reached, whereby Forrester will plead guilty to the less serious offense of second-degree murder. Some tense moments in Victoria today when a mini bus burst into flames in the street. It happened just before 10 o'clock on Blanchard and Fort Street. Some nearby businesses were briefly evacuated while firefighters used retardant foam to attack the flames. They believe the fire broke out at the back of the vehicle close to the fuel tank. It was really going by the time we got here. No injuries. The driver was in there.
8: He was able to get out. He had a little bit of smoke inhalation. BC Ambulance took care of him.
1: Now, the Better Business Bureau is out with its list of the top ten scams, and our consumer reporter, Andrew, is here with the details. And these, uh, these work.
4: They work, and we've covered so many of these scams on Consumer Matters. Thanks Mm -hmm. for that, Chris. Canadians lost more than $95 million to scammers last year. That's up more than 50% from 2015 when we were duped for a reported $61 Here are the top scams of 2017. Number five, cryptocurrency scams with more than... 1.7 million dollars lost at number four the employment scam racking up more than 5 million in reported losses number three online dating scams with more than 19 million lost number two wire fraud or spear phishing with more than 20 million in losses and at the top of the list online purchase scams more than 13 million lost from fake websites to counterfeit goods to free trial traps these scams are everywhere since more than 90 percent of consumers shop online also of note the rapid rise in cryptocurrency scams and initial coin offerings from 284 thousand dollars lost in 2015 to more than 1.7 million last year
9: these people will just take your money and then they're gone Because these investments are sold internationally and online and they're often paid for with cryptocurrency, there's virtually no way for investors to get their monies back.
4: Now, to combat these scams, the Better Business Bureau says to never send money to someone you've never met always meet in person and don't give out your personal information. You can find a full list of the top 10 scams and more tips on how to stay safe on our website at globalnews.ca/bc. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can reach me. There's my email address at consumermatters@globalnews.ca.
1: Good stuff. Thanks very much, Ann. And with online dating scams number th- scams number 3 on that list, the RCMP want you to keep an eye out for this guy. 34-year-old Jordan David Shepard, who also goes by Dave Rofter, he's accused of befriending young women on social media or the dating website Plenty of Fish and then asking them to cash a check for him using their account. When that's done, he disappears, and the victims find out the check was bad. Shepard is wanted on numerous fraud charges, and police believe there may be many more victims. Here's tonight, there is a serious threat to North America's bid to host the 2026 FIFA World Cup of Soccer. Morocco is apparently now said to be overshadowing the joint bid from the United States, Canada and Mexico. Ted Chernecki explains what's behind the shift in support. <laughs>
0: might be time to get the bubble balls out. This is a corporate team building exercise in Burnaby today. Perhaps the North America FIFA bid team could use some of this because suddenly it needs all the help it can get. Living in a bubble if organizers thought the North American bid was a slam dunk because the reality is Donald Trump has become a problem.
1: Well, anytime anybody's an opportunity to stick it to the Americans they'll take it and this could be one of them.
0: Morocco may be the front-runner for 2026, according to an unnamed source at ESPN Online. It suggests Morocco has most of the support from its home continent, and much of South America doesn't want the Americans to host. There are 211 member nations who will be voting in the coming months, with a decision on June 13th.
6: Absolutely, I'd be one. You know, I'd like to take myself and the family, but uh, hopefully we can work it out. BC Place would be a great venue for a World Cup game.
8: We have such a strong sport hosting partnership with Tourism Vancouver, the hotel uh, association and it's it's a a team approach we take to uh, attract events
0: for vancouver losing the bid would be a huge lost opportunity with all due respect hosting the winter olympics is nothing compared to the world cup of soccer
1: billions of people watch soccer you know asia africa europe australia everyone watches right it is the biggest stage and this would have been a real
10: shot in the arm for the city
0: in a statement, the city of Vancouver said inclusion in the North American bid as a host city could mean more than $3 billion in cost benefits for the city. Ted Czernacki, Global News.
11: I still like our chances.
1: I was, gonna, I was just going to ask you that before we get into all the NHL draft I, stuff, but you, know, you, you think it's still a good chance. Yeah, and it's,
11: There are some people who are upset that the Americans sort of dug into the bribery scandals and such of FIFA. Yeah. So, but I still, I still like North America's chances on this one, especially because it has more teams. I mean, you just need the space. Yeah. Okay. Let's
1: talk about the other big news today. We covered it a little bit earlier. The yes. 2019 NHL Entry Draft is coming to Vancouver.
11: Yep. So it'll be uh, 2019 June uh, 21, 22. Correct. Yes. And uh, so Bettman was in town. You saw uh, Gregor Robertson just a second ago, when, of course Trevor Linden. They made the announcement. Actually, the Canucks had to bid against a lot of other NHL teams. So we won something this year. See that? The Canucks won something. There's Francesco Acquellini. So the draft in 2019, that also sort of also kicks off the Canucks' 50th anniversary season. Lots to celebrate. And 2019 in this city as well, also at Rogers Arena, will be um, World Junior Championships. Also going to be in Vancouver and partially in Victoria as well. So it'll be a big year next year.
1: All there right, we we'll, we'll see you a little bit later for the sportscast yes. as well. But right now, a news hour follow-up to our stories about South Asian gangster rap and accusations that it glamorizes gang life, as Sonia Diol reports. Artists from the South Asian music industry say the music should be left alone.
11: Those songs have millions and millions of people listening to them. So why are there not millions and millions of people joining
2: gangs
12: now it's important to make one point very clear no one is naive enough to suggest that a kid would listen to this type of music and then turn to a gang lifestyle it's obviously much more complex than that the question here though is of glorifying the lifestyle which clearly is a very real problem in the lower mainland and it's on that question community feeling is very much split the artists producing this music all declined to comment, but others in the industry are speaking out.
8: South Asian artists or this type of music is adding or influencing those type of things. I don't, Unless there's hard, solid facts to back that up, I think that's
13: completely wrong.
8: There might be somebody out there who's impressionable, who may be a little bit gullible, who may be swayed. Um, and I think there is a, a discussion point to be had and I think we should be open about having that conversation. Are you going to really shelter your kids from all the violence in the world? That means turn the turn the TVs off. Stop taking history classes.
12: For DJ A-Slam, the
11: accusations are far more serious. They don't go after white rock bands bec- like the Hells Angels listens to white rock music. No one makes that connection. But yet they go... Uh, Indo-Canadians are listening to Indo-Canadian gangster music, so that's why they're ending up in gangs. Like, it's such, yeah, it's such BS. Cal de who works hard to keep kids away
12: from the lifestyle, feels differently.
7: They're icons and legends in our community. They sing these songs, and these kids are, are looking at them as heroes. And so, yes, they do wear that burden. They have that onus, that obligation, that responsibility, and they're accountable to the community.
12: The debate about rappers and gang life has been going on in L.A. for decades. Robbie Robinson spent 35 years as a gang probation officer there.
0: Rap is the newspaper of the street. I don't want to see them glamorize the gangster lifestyle because when you are rapping... You are a role model. So I say talk about things that are going to uplift the people in the neighborhood.
8: That's a form of control. The art, music is a form of expression. That's like telling Van Gogh you've got to paint a certain way. You, you can't do that. That's, that's just wrong.
12: A community dealing with a crisis and searching for answers. Sonia Diol, Global News.
1: If you've been watching our coverage of a Squamish family who lost their teenager to drugs earlier this year, you know the family has been pushing for what's called secure care. That's giving parents the power to force their kids into treatment. Legislation has been introduced over the years, but never made into law. Now the liberals are pushing for the NDP government to follow through. Stephanie Lawrence had just turned 15 when she died of a suspected fentanyl overdose. Her parents watched hopelessly, as she refused treatment and bounced around the health care and criminal justice systems. North Vancouver MLA Jane Thorthwaite is bringing forward a private member's bill to reintroduce the Safe Care Act. She wants the government to pass this bill as quickly as possible. The B.C. Recovery Council agrees, calling secure care another component of an effective addictions policy.
11: This is not an act that is there to apprehend kids that are smoking a bit of pot and skipping school. Uh, This is a serious piece of legislation uh, for young people who are uh, being taken out of their home by a pimp, uh, being addicted to heroin or have really significant mental health issues where the parents have absolutely no way of controlling the situation.
1: Brenda Doherty, one of the moms you saw in that report, met with the mental health and addictions minister last week. She says Judy Darcy is open to the idea of safe care, but there is no indication at this point if this private member's bill will make it into law. The already difficult challenge of finding a family doctor in B.C. is about to get worse, with news that a website designed to help match doctors and patients is being shut down. As John Wall reports, many say it's a valuable tool that should be saved.
14: Avid geocacher Kevin McDonald knows it takes the right tools to track something that's hard to find.
9: It takes you right to the geocache area and you can start looking there. Without some sort of crucial tool, it's really a shot in the dark.
14: But even someone who hunts for hidden items as a hobby. One, two, three knows there's nothing fun about searching for a family doctor in BC.
9: And if you don't find a family doctor, much more severe. I mean, if you don't find a geocache, hopefully your day is not ruined. If you don't find a doctor, that's your health.
14: And like GPS for geocaching, patients looking for their own doctor also had a tool on the College of Physicians and Surgeons of BC website. They could search by name, location, gender, even spoken languages. But arguably the most important was being able to search for doctors accepting new patients. That is, until now. I think a resource like this is needed, especially for uh, a place that doesn't have much family doctors. The college would not put anyone on camera, but partially blames its own members for not updating the site. Writing, reports generated from the accepting new patients search feature were frequently inaccurate, causing undue frustration for patients seeking a family physician.
9: Neither you had to take some significant steps in investment to improve that, or they did what they did, which was appropriate, because there's other places for people to look.
14: The health minister talking about the division's BC website, which lists physicians accepting new patients by community. The problem? Some areas aren't covered.
15: And the issue with the approach that the divisions are taking as valuable and as important as it is, um, it's still going to be piecemeal. It's still only going to
14: cover certain sections of the province. So whether it was perfect or not, some feel losing the search option on March 1st is premature.
9: To me, that's, that's, uh, that's terrible. People now, what are they going to do?
14: Without GPS, Kevin McDonald says it would have been impossible to find this tiny geocaching prize. Just imagine the pressure if the hunt was tied to your health. John Hua, Global News. People excited today about the official
1: launch of a seniors complex being built especially for people with dementia. The village, as it's called, will include six cottage-style homes and a community center, and house 78 people cared for by 72 staff members. It'll have one monitored entrance and exit, And beyond that, residents are free to go where they want, when they want, within the village. An eight-foot fence designed to fit into the surroundings encloses the entire village. It won't be cheap, anywhere from $6,000 to $7,500 a month. Now, the Langley Village won't be the only such project in B.C. Another dementia community is planned for Vancouver in the next few years. As Linda Aylesworth reports, this one promises to be more affordable.
10: This parking lot near 33rd and Heather in Vancouver is the future home of a new trend in seniors' care.
3: So we're in Honoria Conway, and this is the first of many buildings for our new dementia village.
10: Honoria Conway is an assisted living building named after one of the founding sisters of Providence Healthcare. St. Vincent's Hospital once stood here, but it was torn down over a decade ago in preparation for the impending wave of British Columbians living
3: with dementia. The numbers of people with dementia are actually going to be doubling within the next 15 years when we look at the population across Canada. Joanne Tate is
10: working towards creating a facility unlike the traditional institutional models, a
3: village that will be built here. There will be multiple households and upwards of 300 people living in residential care where they will have the common spaces of a kitchen and a dining room where they can participate in that normal daily life
10: everyone will have their own private bedroom and access through their own front door to the restaurants and shops within the village, where they can wander around freely and safely.
3: You won't have a sense of a fence or something that might look a little bit threatening, because the buildings will serve as that wall.
10: The first so-called Dementia Village was created in 2009 in the Netherlands. Since the Hogewijk opened, similar facilities have launched throughout Europe. Vancouver's village won't be the first in Canada,
3: but it will be the largest one that's publicly funded. So this will be homes that people with any means, lesser or higher, can absolutely afford in our publicly subsidized system.
10: The cost to build the village will be between 200 and 300 million dollars. There is no start or completion date yet, what there is is a commitment to get it done I believe
3: that care homes are moving towards a social model where people are engaged in the world around them is the way of the future. Linda Aylesworth, Global News:
1: The annual colorful campaign against bullying spread across BC today
0: I'm not scared to be seen. I make no.
1: On this 10th anniversary of Pink Shirt Day, dozens of students rallied in Victoria as the government announced $100,000 to fund social media workshops for parents to help determine when their kids are being bullied. In downtown Vancouver, supporters took over a corner at Granville and Georgia, urging people to use the internet to spread kindness and not hatred. The turmoil continues in the Donald Trump administration with news that another one of the president's closest advisors is resigning. Communications director Hope Hicks is stepping down one day after reportedly telling congressional investigators she occasionally tells white lies on behalf of the president. The White House says she didn't resign because of that. An emotional day in Parkland, Florida, as students return to class for the first time since the mass shooting.
11: Unfortunately, my daughter's not going to be here. She's not here today. She didn't come back, but I wanted to be here for my son, uh, and I wanted to be here for the other kids.
1: Ryan Petty lost his 14-year-old daughter, Elena, in the Valentine's Day shooting, but he was back today to meet students on their first day back. Hundreds of police officers were also on hand, along with staff and counselors.
7: Today, the safest school in America was in Parkland, Florida. Hundreds of armed police officers escorting students back to campus. Yeah. Officials wanting to give these survivors a sense of security.
3: Yeah, I almost feel like I'm on an army base with all the cops.
7: These students refusing to let suspect Nicholas Cruz steal it away from them. This morning, 16-year-old Lizzie Eaton did something she rarely does before school: eating breakfast with her family. All
11: right, I love you. Love you. Have a good day, okay? Okay. Instead of commuting in her own car, traffic. Wow, I've
15: never seen it like this before.
7: Her dad driving Lizzie through the maze of police. Parents say since the shooting, they're obsessed with one question: Will my child get home safely tonight?
6: I have a lot more faith. Now seeing you know all the you know activity that's going on in the school and there's a lot of police presence.
7: Students started the day with fourth period, reuniting with classmates and teachers who were with them when the massacre began. The principal tweeting, there is no need for backpacks. Come ready to start the healing process. But for many, it's hard to move on. It's
3: because it's like the first day back and like, I just keep thinking of like, the day
15: it happened.
7: Words cannot, you know, describe how painful it is to see, you know, an empty seat. And when the half day at school was over
3: it made me a little sad, but I was glad
14: to just be with my friends again.
7: An emotional day too for Taryn Hibschman, who lost two friends.
14: They're no longer in this world and they're no longer with us is just something that I don't think any human will ever be able to fathom.
7: The focus today, not just on those who survived, but on the 17 faces that were missing, like 14-year-old Elena Petty, her dad, Ryan, standing outside the school's gates.
11: So there's, there's a hole in our family. I mean, Elena's gone and she's uh, she's not coming back.
1: It was a big day for royal watchers as the two couples, who've been dubbed the Fab Four, made their first official appearance as a quartet. I'm particularly happy. It's uh, been our first Royal Foundation event with Meghan. Princes William and Harry, joined by William's wife Kate well. and Harry's fiancée yes. Meghan Markle, appearing in yes. London to support the two princes' Royal Foundation, which funds 14 different charities. After Meghan marries Harry in May, she'll become the Foundation's fourth patron bringing issues like gender equality to the table.
3: You'll often hear people say, well, you're helping women find their voices. And I fundamentally disagree with that because women don't need to find a voice. They have a voice.
1: Harry and Megan telling the audience the charity work will have to wait a bit as they are a little busy right now planning their wedding. Well, in health matters tonight, hundreds of people are expected to turn out this weekend on Vancouver Island for a good cause. As Kylie Stanton reports, it's the one time a year a critical support agency raises money to help cancer patients.
11: Dear Tooth Fairy, I want to keep my tooth and I want to meet you.
6: These are the moments pushing Paulina Delano to fight. The 44-year-old single mother was diagnosed with cancer eight months ago after discovering a large tumor in her breast.
2: So I've had two surgeries and I've almost completed five and a half weeks of radiation.
6: But healing the body is only half her battle.
2: Try to just calm the breath.
6: She came here to heal the rest.
2: Your brain, your nervous system, you have to be prepared as well. You know, from stress management, stress reduction to um, exercise. And having a positive support network.
6: Inspire Health offers supportive cancer care, focusing on lifestyle approaches to help those living with cancer and their loved ones. There are three locations across BC, in Vancouver, Kelowna, and here in Victoria, where patients can access the services all for free.
3: We need to fundraise about a million dollars a year across the province in order to sustain those free services.
6: Inspire Health is hoping to kickstart things this Sunday with its third annual Rainwalk, a fundraiser focused on patient involvement.
3: It's their opportunity to come out, to be a part of the community, to get their friends and family involved, and to give back, really, to uh, the services that we have.
6: Delano doesn't even like to think about where she'd be without them. Instead, she's looking forward to many more moments like this, hopefully cancer free.
2: They've enhanced our lives, changed our lives throughout this nightmare.
6: Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria.
1: You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Daredevil Nick Walendo walks the high wire in Maryland. The stumble that had the crowd gasping coming up right after the forecast. So let's check in with Christy and a little informal twitter poll that shows right. how we all really felt about february
15: hard to believe we're at the end of february right now yeah. but yeah so i put out a twitter poll how did you see february more snow than average a lot of people believe that Twenty-nine percent more rain colder than normal or all three all of you or majority of you thought all three so you thought it was a pretty terrible february <laughs> uh yeah so here are the actual numbers yes it was definitely snowier than normal with 25 or close to 26% of snow. Less rainfall, but if you change that snowfall to rain, we'd be near average for uh, precipitation. And yes, it was colder than normal, cold and snowy. But at least we saw some breaks of sunshine in there. Not uh, tomorrow, though. We'll see some breaks later on in the day. But look at the system we're contending with. It is taking over the entire province, lower elevations all across the province, a good 5 to 10 centimeters of snow on the way for you. But the mountains uh, passes up to 25 in through the these areas, Highway 97, 16 as well, and all of the mountain passes across the south, up to 30 centimeters of snow overnight through the morning hours tomorrow. If you're headed up to Whistler, the Sea to Sky Highway, up to 15 centimeters, snowfall warning there, and wind warnings continue to be uh, the, in place for much of the inner coast. So, we've seen gusts up to 78 kilometers an hour in Tawasin, Saturna Island as well. Uh, we are seeing some power outages in Richmond right now because of the winds, and up into Campbell River and Comox. We we are still expecting the strong winds into about 9 9 30 at night where we could see still gusts up to the 80 90 kilometer an hour so possible power outages still expected this low is pushing out in a way but we'll still see some isolated showers across our region tomorrow and temperatures are going to drop that means on friday as we continue with these waves of moisture we have the possibility of a few flurries across our region so flurries or showers so there's your forecast yes snow for those viewing the interior five to ten centimeters Across these regions, you'll see snow overnight, but it will change to rain as temperatures warm up through the day. Isolated showers, maybe higher elevations of Vancouver Island, could see a few flurries. But on and off precipitation and the forecast for the weekend is turning around. It looks like things will warm up and the sun will come out. Happy birthday to Irish French and happy anniversary to Fred and Noreen Babuin. And I'll leave you with a great shot from Fort Langley. Vivian oh. sent us this. Yes, Fort Langley, they built a fort. Snow fort. Still some snow out there on the ground.
1: Ice fort Langley mm-hmm. is, is what we should call it. All right, thanks very much, Christy. Great job, kids. World-renowned daredevil Nick Willenda took a stroll in Maryland today. The only way performers like him can do it. Willenda walked over a plaza on a cable about the width of a nickel, a 70-meter span, nearly 25 meters in the air. With no safety harness. The stunt was to promote the Big Apple Circus, which Walenda is a part of. But watch what happens right near the end there. He appears to stumble, but after the crowd gasped, he smiled and said, Just kidding, and finished the walk. Willenda is also the first person to cross Niagara Falls and the Grand Canyon on a wire. Would never try it.
15: Was he kidding?
1: It didn't look to me that? when I saw it. Probably just covering his bases, though, I, would, <laughs> I would
11: imagine. How are you, sir? I, I don't get that. Do.
15: Nice pink, by the way, guys. Thank
11: you. Thank you. Same. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're all very pink. Um, usually it's just my skin that's pink, but today <laughs> I've got a shirt and a tie.
1: Mark, uh, June 21, 22,
11: 2019
1: on your calendars for the uh, hockey draft coming to town.
11: That'll be fun. It's always That's been here twice before, and it's always been a good time. Yeah. It's, if you're a hockey fan, it's a big day. Uh, and they made it official today. The draft is coming to Rogers Arena, as we just said, June 21st, June 22nd. Actually, part of the uh, celebration of the Canucks' 50th season. Actually, 2019 is going to be a big year. Bigger than that thing that was on Gregor Robertson's head today. You see when his hair was sticking <laughs> up? So Someone should have tapped there, that yeah. down. He's got people to do that for him, you would think. Uh, 2019 NHL Draft and the World Junior Championships are here in 2019 as well. Okay. So we can at least say the Canucks didn't lose everything this season because they beat out a lot of NHL cities to be able to host a draft. And who knows, they could be picking rather high in 2019 as well. I don't think they're going to become a playoff contender over this summer, if you want my honest opinion. There you go. Uh, now from here, Gary Bettman's going to go down the road to Seattle, which starts a season ticket drive tomorrow as part of their campaign to get an NHL expansion team for 2020. Fans are being asked in Seattle to put down deposits of $500 to $1,000. They want to see how much interest there is. And if they do get a team, Seattle will have the same expansion draft rules that Vegas had. And those rules were a lot more generous than previous expansion teams were given.
7: The, the, we would anticipate that the terms of an expansion draft for a 30-second team would be the same as they were for Las Vegas. Uh, My guess is the prospective owners of a 30-second team wouldn't want to have terms any different than what Las Vegas got, especially because they're going to be paying more.
11: Speaking of expansion teams and Vegas, which of course is shocking everyone by continuing to be one of the best teams in the NHL, Gary Bettman had an interesting take on why the Golden Knights are having a season that nobody would have predicted. Uh,
7: What's going on in Las Vegas is a phenomenon. Uh, There are probably a whole host of factors, and some of them are emotional. This is a team that, that came into being in the wake of a terrible tragedy, and I think on some level the players are playing for some greater cause, unity, healing, you name it, and I think you see it in the way the players have conducted themselves and the way the
9: city has embraced this team.
11: Travis Green is going to have a couple of new players to call upon tonight when the Canucks host the New York Rangers, Tyler Mott, Brendan Leipzig. Of the two, he knows Leipzig very well. He's another former Portland Winterhawk. He played there when Travis Green was on their coaching staff. In fact, when he was with the Winterhawks, other Canucks on that team were Derek Pouliot and Sven Berchi. Like Green... They know Leipzig very well.
8: Third time lucky for Brendan Leipzig? The Canucks sure hope so. Vancouver's the 23-year-old's third NHL organization. This after failed attempts for full-time employment in Toronto and Vegas. Leipzig ripped it up in junior, but his scoring touch hasn't translated at the NHL level. Maybe that changes skating alongside Bo Horvat and Brock Besser.
5: Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be a great uh, great chance. Two really good players have uh, had a good year, so hopefully, just try to play off them, let them do their thing, and uh, just try and uh, figure out some of their tendencies and um, keep my game simple.
1: You know, it brings you know brings again speed to our lineup that we need, and uh, you know some higher end skill that hope hopefully can translate to the NHL. You
5: know, I played my first NHL game here in Vancouver, so I uh, played a couple games here. It's a great city, um, great fan. So, um, you know, like I said, just you know, looking forward to getting a chance to uh, show them what I can do.
8: Tyler Mott is the Canucks' other young reclamation project. His M.O. almost identical to Leipzig's. The 22-year-old has skated for the Blackhawks and Blue Jackets, with the bulk of Mott's ice time coming in the minors. In 64 NHL games, he's registered seven goals and five assists. His tagline also is the best yet to come.
1: He's a fast young player. He's got uh, some upside. Um, He competes hard. Uh, He's only a second-year pro. Had, uh, Had a pretty good college career, highly... You know highly thought of player and uh, i'm excited to see him play
9: yeah i heard uh recently that they tried to acquire me um, with a trade with chicago maybe a, a couple years ago um, but again it's just exciting to obviously be in an organization that that really wants you and, and hopefully i can find a role here and, and make it work
8: one guy who likely won't get much of a look is U.C. Jokinen. he's 937 games deep into a 13-year nhl career one that appears to be nearing its end Vancouver's Jokinen's fourth organization this season, ninth overall. At 34 years old, it's hard to envision a future for a player who's been waived twice this season. Jay Janowar, Global Sports.
11: When the draft was in Vancouver in 2006, Alex Viego was actually taken that year by Buffalo. But he's only ever played for the Canucks, and today the Canucks gave him a new two-year deal worth 825000 a season. He is basically Vancouver's extra defenseman, and defense is what he does. He's only ever scored one goal for the Canucks, and that was in his very first game with Vancouver in 2015. And the Canucks aren't the only local team making trades. The Whitecaps today moved midfielder Tony Chawney to Chicago for allocation money. Chawney has been Thomas Vanek-like. He's been around the MLS a lot. This will be his fifth team, the Chicago Fire. He became expendable because of how well Russell Tybert played in the preseason. Chani was the guy the Whitecaps got in return for Kakuda Manny when they traded him to Columbus last March. He played 30 games with the Caps, scored four times last year. And the Caps, of course, start their season Sunday. Yeah, That'd exciting. Place, yes. Are you going? Oh, yeah, I'll be there. I'm going, too. Okay. Here's today's snow report. Fresh snow on most of the mountains over the last 24 hours. Whistler Blackcomb Base 296 centimeters, Grouse 432, Cypress 27 new with 425 on the ground, Sasquatch Base 370. Revelstoke Base just under 260, Manning Park 220, Powder King 290, and Mount Washington close to 230. Southern Interior, Big White, a base of 293, Silver Star 264, Sun Peaks 226, and Apex 276.
1: Well, a woman who once knit a world record sock monkey is at it again. I, I can say in thirty years of broadcasting I've never done a story. On I didn't a even sock know it were sock monkey. <laughs> it's true. She's hoping to reclaim the title she recently lost. It's a challenge that would drive most people bananas, but not Cheryl Douglas.
13: All right.
9: <laughs> Taking the world's largest sock monkey for a walk is a workout.
13: Okay. Okay, Hunter, you got that part? Well, okay.
9: An awkward, floppy 50 kilograms. How are you doing, bud? 416 socks.
2: Yeah,
13: Right there. Everybody says, what are you doing? They look at me like I'm a few feathers short of a load here. But she's having fun with it, so whatever works. There you go, buddy.
9: This is Cheryl's second record-breaking monkey. We last talked in 2009 when she and her old monkey made the Guinness Book of World Records.
13: I could... Uh, I could make him a girlfriend and we could have them getting married. Uh, I put, Don't put him in your car. They want me to take him out to the, one of the local beer parlors here in town and have him set up at the bar so that they can serve him a beer.
9: Oscar here is 8 feet 10 inches. Oscar 2 here is 13 feet 6 inches tall. Oscar the first perished in a balloon store fire in 2011.
13: Uh, the balloon store I can always rebuild. Um, Oscar was really hard because that was the first one. This one, yeah, he may be the second one, but he's uh, he's still carrying part of the first one, and she's doing what you
7: did then.
9: Cheryl's grandson used to play on the monkey. It's enormous, but still a toy, a beloved classic.
7: My grandma wanted to do something fun, so we built a sock monkey
13: long time ago. There wasn't a lot of people that had money to make toys or buy toys, so grandmas used to make their kids or friends or their grandchildren a sock monkey.
9: But why make the biggest?
13: Why? because I could. Um, yeah, I guess the other thing is, why not? It's my last one, though. I'm not going to make another one. This is it.
9: Cheryl lost the largest sock monkey title to an English woman a few years ago. She didn't mind. She says records are set to be broken. Now Oscar too is off to have his world record confirmed. Jeff Hastings, Global News, Merit. Before we go,
1: we want to take a moment to acknowledge a very special, longtime global employee and friend of ours. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, oh she there she
1: is. is. Pam Mason has been a makeup artist right here at Global News since 1978. She has done our makeup every night. She has done Shirley MacLaine's, David Attenborough's, Pierre Trudeau's, Justin Trudeau's, mm-hmm. Alan Fick's makeup. Every Jack celebrity Webster. or Jack Webster, anybody who's come through the doors, Pam has done their makeup. Her style icon is Hepburn. Audrey Hepburn. Audrey Hepburn. Audrey Hepburn, she is amazing, and we will miss her.